I just remember uh, Elizabeth when when we were re even first starting the church and how you know you would say at different times over the years you know I'm just you know I, I look forward to being with Jesus someday and look forward and I always say to her but I'm not ready for you to go Elizabeth uh, and and we are not ready to let you be with Jesus just yet because she, because she has. I depend on her so much on a weekly basis. You don't know how many names I give her to pray for and people to call and to write to. And so I'm just very thankful that God has, has blessed us with this, this special time with, with the ministry here. Thank you, Elizabeth. The, um, if you turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. If you need a Bible, raise your hand nice and high. My Bible boys are loaded up. I took them to Wawa, so they owe me some uh, good service here. But the, um, we're in Matthew 5. If you're using the Bible they're handing out, it's page 684. Otherwise, it's the first book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So Matthew, if you need a Bible, be our guest. Take it. Uh, it's our gift to you. And there's some Bibles on the back table, some lost and found Bibles, so make sure you check those out. Uh, tapes and CDs also, all free in the back. Help yourself. And you can always go on the podcast and, and catch up on Sundays you miss, Okay. But the title for today is Oaths. Oaths, promises to keep. An oath, you make an oath. It's promises to keep, Matthew 5, 33 to 37. And it's appropriate that we hit this, this promise and oath topic on this weekend, Memorial Day weekend, because Memorial Day is when we remember men and women who kept their promises, the oaths that they made, the promises that they made to protect our country, those who fought and even died to, to keep that promise. And as a, as a representative of, of those folks who have done that, I would like all of our vets to stand up. I know we have a good number of people that have served in the armed forces. They could all just stand up for us. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, guys. And I know there's a few others that aren't here today that have served. and and. and on behalf of, and we're, we're clapping for you guys, and we're clapping for you on behalf, just as a representative of the many, many men and women in our country who have served and kept promises and earned that song, the song up there, earned that song, America the Beautiful. We're very, very thankful for every one of you and all those who have served. Jesus talks about the importance of keeping our promises, keeping our oaths today and before I read that, let me just uh, pray. Father, we thank you for all those who have served our country, kept promises to serve, to protect, and even to die for this country, for us. And we know that, uh, that sacrifice is a reminder of what Jesus did for us on the cross, sacrificed himself for all the world, not just for one country, but the entire world. It's just a great reminder of that. We thank you for these people, and we thank you for this passage, and pray that their example would be an encouragement to, to us to remember to keep our promises. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So Matthew 5, 33 to 37. Jesus, remember we're talking about the Sermon on the Mount, and he's setting people straight because they've been hearing this perverted Gospel. They've been hearing the word of God that's been twisted by the Pharisees of the day, the, these religious leaders that had lost touch with the word of God and, and the heart of the gospel, and they had started teaching man-made traditions instead of God's word. And he's, he's 
resetting their minds and, and saying, this is what you hear, but this is what the Bible really means. This is what the Word of God really means. And today, we've been looking at several different topics, but today he gets to the, the oath part. In verse 33, he says, Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Now, he's mentioned swearing there. And when he says swearing, he's talking about swearing on oath. He's not talking about cursing, although it's probably a good time to remind us all to, to mention and remind cursing. I remember a time in our country when cursing was very rare, but now it's become so common and even many, it's sad, even many Christians have fallen into just regularly cursing. And, and, and I regularly hear this from some, well, it doesn't say in the Bible you can't use this word or that word. Well, it does. Uh, Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. There's a lot of other ones, but that's just a good one. I, I have that memorized to help me remember. Be careful. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Many, many different ones. But cursing is especially bad when it involves the, the God's name. You know, God, God this and God that and Jesus Christ and you know using Jesus or God in any in any way uh, is uh, is especially troubling because it breaks the third commandment Exodus twenty verse seven you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God and that applies to when we use God or Jesus as a common as a curse or as a common expression even if we just say Jesus or you know something along those lines that's misusing because even though we're not cursing with it like some people do you know well I'm not going to go into all that but anyway the uh, <clears throat> but just using it as a common expression is still misusing it so that Exodus 20 verse 7 the third commandment do not misuse the name of the Lord your God that applies to cursing but it also applies to what Jesus is talking about because you can misuse the word the, the name of God in an oath and a promise also and this is another application another misuse of God's name Back to Matthew 5, 33 to 37, which we just read. Now, some people think that this means that you can't swear any oath. In fact, there's some Christian groups, and you may be aware of them and, and even been part of them at some time, where they say we can't ever swear an oath. They Well-meaning, they never use any oath. Even in court, they won't swear the oath because it's against their religious principles. And there's, there's a, they won't even do it in a court of law. But Jesus, that's a misunderstanding because Jesus is not talking about the biblical use of oaths. He's talking about the Pharisees' perversion of oath-taking. The Old Testament is very clear. Jesus would not go against the Old Testament. He's fulfilling it, right? The Old Testament is very, very clear. In fact, in Deuteronomy, that oath, it's okay to take an oath. It's important at certain times to take oaths. In fact, in Deuteronomy 6.13, it says, Fear the Lord your God, serve him only and take your oath and oaths in his name okay and that's a special privilege if you're a christian if you're a, if you're a christian or in this place jewish people they were given the right as children of god we are given the right as children of god to use god as a reference and we take an oath in his name it'd be like one of my kids and if they were 
at the store, or their car breaks down and they're at a place where they need to get it fixed, the local place, and, and they, they break down the car and they, and they need it to get fixed, but they don't have any money on them. They say, well, my, my dad is Chuck Wilson, you know, that rich guy, and he'll pay for this, you know? They do that. And, uh, so, but they say, oh, I know him. Oh, yeah, I know him. And so, okay, that's fine. I'll give you this part or I'll do this for you. you know? and, and, and so we'll fix the car because they're using me as a reference. And the same thing, that's what we all do, right, a lot of times. We'll vouch for our kids with school or a team or, or they need our money. That we're, we're a reference point for them. And if we have a good... Uh, if we have a good reputation, that's good for them. And if we didn't, that wouldn't be a good thing. But see, that's what God is giving us the right to do. He's giving us, as, as a Jewish person in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, anybody who's a Christian, he's giving us the, um, the right to use him as a reference when we make a promise. That's a, that's a God-given right as a reference, okay? Now, back to Deuteronomy 6. Then Deuteronomy 23, just to show you that it is okay to do. In Deuteronomy 23, verses 21 to 22 it says if you make a vow to the Lord your God and do and do not I'm sorry if you make a vow to the to the Lord your God do not be slow to pay it for the Lord your God will certainly demand it of you and you will be guilty of sin but if you refrain from making a vow you will not be guilty uh, then that's good enough so he's once again saying it's okay and if you make a vow you have to keep that promise Joe Jacob swore by God. Joseph used oaths. There are many people throughout the Old Testament that use oaths. But also in the New Testament, there's many places where people swear to God. Paul swears before God many, many times. He uses God as his, as his, his witness when he's, he's making a promise or swearing some, an oath many, many times. In fact, this is the basis for the court of law. Okay, the law, the basis of the, the court of law oaths that are being used do they still do this? Do they still put their hand on the Bible? I haven't, don't watch crime shows anymore. I haven't been in court in quite a while, a uh, long time. And uh, so do they still swear on a Bible? Is that done? Yeah, they still, oh, they still do, okay. So I wasn't even sure because if they do, it won't be much longer, right, in our country unless something happens spiritually. But I know they used to put their hand on the Bible and promise to tell the truth. And when you put your hand on the Bible and you're promising to tell the truth in the court of law, you're recognizing that there's a judge sitting here, but there's a much higher judge sitting somewhere else. And if you tell a lie, he's going to hold us accountable. He's going to judge us. Even if we get away with it in the court of law, there's going to be a judge who's going to get us and judge us, and we're under that accountability. That's what the fear of God is all about. That's what the encouragement to tell the truth. And I'm not, not sure. It sounds like they still do the, the Bible, but... But not everybody does because um, I'm sure there are some courts where they don't. In fact, I saw one article here about a, a ruling, this was years ago, a ruling that judges cannot require atheist jurors to swear an oath or any other religion-based promise that might violate their beliefs. It, the court ruled here, and I'm not even going to give away where it was done, but it said the judge should fashion a generic statement of commitment to truth and integrity in the jury box, in the jury room, and to do everything that would make for absolute integrity. Well, why would somebody who doesn't believe in God tell the truth? I mean, I know there can be an honest atheist. I'm not saying they don't ever, but, but what? think about kids. Why do they do a lot of things they do? Because we put the fear of parenting into them, right? 
because they would just do a lot of things. And, and we all now know what the, what the country is like and what is happening. If there's no fear of God, how do people live? Think of the dishonesty in business and the, and the politics, all the corruption in government, and the, just the, the, the stealing that goes on. You know, and, you know, I remember never locking doors of cars. We used to leave keys in the cars and doors wide open, you know, doors unlocked. And, and we just grew up that way. You know, we left keys in the ignition. We got in the car, there was no key in the ignition. What's going on? What, what happened? You know, that's just how everybody lived. But you wouldn't dream of living like that now. What changed? The fear of God. And so without putting our hand on the Bible and swimming before God, there may be some honest atheists, but I would guess most people need more than just integrity in the, in the courtroom or, or ten good suggestions. You know what I mean? We, we need God is, is what keeps us from, from lying and, and from breaking up the truth, right? But Jesus here is not talking about the biblical youth, use of oaths in the court or on a solemn occasion. He's stressing more the misuse of oaths in le for legal reasons or in the personal life which the Pharisees encouraged, okay? He, what the Pharisees had developed this whole, they actually twisted God's word, Deuteronomy. They actually twisted it. The religious leaders actually twisted the law and the word, and they were misusing it for their own purpose. They already, we already saw last week how they twisted the word of God so that they could fill their lusts, remember? all the divorce and, and, and sex outside of marriage and all that, they twisted that, and now we're going to see that they twist God's word and his law so that they can get rich, so they can make money. It's just hard to believe, isn't that? Hard to believe that, that can you imagine somebody doing that today? Can you imagine in our, I mean, it's just hard to believe that they were doing that back then, isn't it? Because you imagine if they did that today, that they twisted the Bible so they could live any way they want and fulfill their lusts and, 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 and live, do things against the Bible sexually, and they would use the Bible as a justification for that? I, I'm joking, obviously, because it happens in many, many pulpits and, you turn, and all over the country, twisting the Word of God. Listen to last week's sermon. Also, could you imagine people twisting the Bible so they could make money off of other people? I mean, that's just hard to even imagine, isn't it? I should turn on the TV set. <laughs> They're called Word of Faith teachers. <laughs> you send money to me, and you'll get ten times the amount back again. And I'm always tempted to call them and say, why don't you send me that money, and then you'll get ten times back. <laughs> but it doesn't work that way for the Word of Faith guys. But they twist the word of God and, and it just so they can make money and get rich. And it, nothing's different. It was the same things that with same abuses we see today in the name of religion was happening in Jesus' time. And these Pharisees developed a system of clever wording. It, it's just hard to even believe unless you turn on the TV. But in, look, let's look ahead to Matthew 23 just to see Jesus goes into more detail on the, the Pharisees and what they were doing. And in Matthew 23, verse 16, it says this. Jesus gets personal. He says, Woe to you, blind guides. You say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold on the temple, he is bound by his oaths. You get this? It's okay. 
you can swear by the temple. They're giving people the fine print, reading the fine print, you know, the, you know, the, a way out. If, if you swear to someone and you say by the temple, it's no big deal, but just don't mention the gold in the temple because then you've got you to gotta follow it. I mean, just, these are the guys who killed Jesus, right? The ones who are behind it. You, verse 17, you blind fools. Jesus said fools? That's not politically correct. That's not that cushy, lovey-dovey, wimpy Jesus we've been taught in America to follow, right? He says, you blind fools, which is greater? The gold or the temple which makes the gold sacred? You also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift on it, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it, and he who swears by the temple swears by it and, and by the one who dwells in it, and he who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and by the one who sits on it. It's hard to believe, but they developed this clever wording, the fine print. They would say, if you say heaven but not God, you're okay. So they would, they would come up with these tricky oaths, like, I swear by heaven. Well, that means God, right? No, no, I didn't say God. I didn't mention him. Or the altar's not binding the gold. They had different levels of oaths, and, and it was more binding. If you said certain words, it was more binding based on what you said. And, and, and this is what they were teaching the people in the synagogues, right? And, and they even had the whole hair on the head, if you look back when we were talking about that earlier. They even would have oaths based on the hairs of the head, which Jesus said it's worthless because you can't even change one hair, white or black. Uh, we're talking about the roots, obviously, the roots. But, uh, the, you know, the, it's like kids making promises. Remember when you were little kids and you make the promise and you put your fingers behind your back and cross your fingers, you know? Like that was okay to lie if you crossed your fingers behind your back, Right? But that's what they're doing. It's just as silly. It's just as ridiculous what they're doing. So they abused their God-given right to use God as a reference. Remember I talked about that whole reference. They, they abused that God-given right to use him as a reference. And they also abused it by overusing. They were overusing something that should be very sacred and only used at very special times, like in a court of law or a solemn ceremony where Nate... Nate Shields' Eagle Scout ceremony yesterday was very sacred. That's a time that, to really have a sacred uh, uh, event. And this is what Je Jesus, the, the law, the, the oaths and the law were given for sacred times, for legal things and for sacred times. It wasn't supposed to just be used flippantly, but they began to be using it flippantly, using God's word uh, as a, a flippant use. I remember when I was kids, people would always, I remember certain kids always saying, I, this is what happened. I swear to God. I swear to God. I swear to God. Always, I swear to God. It was like almost like the end of their sentence. Swear to God. Because they were always lying, so they always had to swear to God, right? And, and what Jesus is stressing is that's not how you should use God's name. He says a simple yes or no will do. If people trust our character, that's enough. If if. They don't. It doesn't matter what we swear by, right? And we are obligated, Jesus is making this point, we are obligated to keep our promise before God whether we swear or not. 
doesn't matter. We're still just as obligated. So oaths are not wrong. Sometimes they're necessary. But it's their abuse that Jesus is condemning. If you put all the word of God together and you look at it together, it's obvious he's, a, he's talking about the abuse of the oaths, not, not the use of them. And the real point here is Jesus is saying, keep your promises. Keep your word, even when it hurts. Even when it hurts. Psalm 15.4. In Psalm 15.4 it says, uh, back up to the, oh no, there it goes. It's talking about who fear the Lord, who keeps his oath even when it hurts. That's what Jesus is stressing here is, is keeping our promises, keeping our word even when it hurts. We've talked, it's no accident, I think, that we just went through divorce and, and the, uh, the adultery and all these things. And then the next thing is about oaths because remember they were breaking their oaths to their wives and divorcing their wives. And Jesus is connecting them all even when our marriage hurts. Even when it's not going perfect and, and everything isn't going perfect, there's still a fear before God, a promise we made before God. We keep it even when it hurts. Teaching our children to keep their word. <laughs> what, what are kids taught today in our culture? You don't like something, quit. You, wanna, you don't like your job, quit it. You don't like this class or teacher, quit. You don't like your sporting, they're just taught to quit. And that's what they do. And it's very important that our kids learn and, and we teach them. We don't let them off the hook that when they make a commitment to do this team or do this class or do this job or whatever it is, that they don't quit. That we don't let them off the hook. Now, when they're older, you can't do much about it. But, but when, they're, when they're younger, when we're, they're, we, can, we can do something about it. it. We have to teach our kids that they have to persevere through something and, and, and not, not quit. And, and it's really important, and I'm talking about the formative years. Obviously, when kids are older, they make their own decisions. I'm talking about the formative years. When kids are younger, they have to learn to, to persevere. And so many times, it's tempting as a parent to, well, you know, this job is hard, and, you know, this class is hard, or whatever it is. It's important that we teach them to persevere through something, because someday they're going to be facing a tougher promise. And they have to keep that promise that they made, right? Our word, as Christians, our word should be enough without an oath, without a lawyer present, without a contract signed. It shouldn't matter one little bit whether any of that happened because our word should, should be just as good. I grew up on a farm, as you know, and on the farm, there were no lawyers, you know. There was no contracts. Farmers, it was handshake. Everything was a handshake deal. We shook hands, and I saw it all the time. Big transactions, you know, cows and tractors and all kinds of deals, you know. That, and sometimes someone would make a deal and it would turn out to be bad for them. They would get offered something better. And I never saw anybody break those deals. Now, I'm sure it happens, but I didn't see it because the people I knew in that community kept their word. They, they, even though it hurt, they got a better offer on a cow or something. They still kept the deal. The handshake was enough. That should be enough for us. It's just that our word should be enough. And it's very important as Christians, too, that we, we keep our word and we don't fall into the lying and we don't fall into the dishonesty and deception. In fact, in Colossians 3, and I just want to finish with this little passage here. In Colossians 3, 
where he's talking about our new nature, he says, verse 9 says, Sorry, I'm going to get better bifocals here. He says here, Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Now get that. Do not lie to each other. That, when we become a Christian, the lying has to stop. There's no more slippery slopes. You know, you know I'm going to talk about the slippery slopes. There's no more of this like fuzzy stuff. There's no more of this... Even we even can fall into the I'll try. Uh, someone says something, I'll, I'll try it, never intending to try. Or, or hopefully I'm going to do this, never, and there's no hope. We know there's no hope. You know, we, we even do it in our own just interaction, don't we? We can fall into that, that slippery, fuzzy, smoke and mirrors kind of a thing. And it's very important that, that that deception has to stop. Because it says, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Because we now, we once, lying was once second nature to us because it was our old nature. Remember? Remember being able to lie in no conviction at all? Some of you might remember back then. I hope you don't know it now. But, but that, that was our old nature. But it says here we were given a new nature. When we, were, when, we, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, when you say, God, I believe your son Jesus died on the cross for my sin, for the wrong in my life, for all the garbage in my life, I believe that. I, put my, I believe he died for me, and I put my faith in him, my trust in him to forgive me. And to make me a new person. When we take that step, the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and we are recreated. Look at that verse 10 there. He says, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Just like Adam fell and he lost the image of the creator. We're being renewed in the image of the creator. We're becoming a new person, a brand new person. The Holy Spirit comes in and recreates us. And we become the person God always meant us to to be the person we are always meant to be we, he starts to f- transform us into that person through his Holy Spirit in our life and when that happens the things like the deception and the lying and, and the breaking that stuff should fall away and we should see a progressive uh, conviction and transformation I know we're not perfect but progressive transformation in, in, in conviction and when we lie we should any kind of dishonesty we should feel that conviction because the Holy Spirit is in us now let's pray maybe Hertain you've never become a new person in Jesus Christ You've never been recreated in the image of of our creator. Maybe you're still living the old life, the old self, the old sinful life that that we were all stuck in at one point. But God wants to make everyone here a new person in Jesus Christ. But it takes a surrender on our part. We have to surrender our sin and we have to surrender our lives to God. And when we do that, he does something beautiful. His spirit comes in and does something beautiful. Have you ever taken that step of faith? 
we cannot change ourselves. We cannot make something good happen. It has to be God in us. Do you want to surrender to God today? You can do it right where you're sitting, right where you're standing, wherever you are. You can do it through a prayer to God just between you and God today. This Memorial Day could be a, quite a memorable day because it's a day that you're, you acted on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on that cross. And you're given eternal life starting right now. It's no magic prayer. Just say something like, God, I do surrender my old life. I turn away from the sin of my past. All the garbage, I turn away from that. And I turn to Jesus. What he did for me on that cross, paying for that sin, I turn to Jesus. I put my faith in him. I surrender my life to him. If you've prayed that prayer to faith, of faith this morning to God, the Holy Spirit has come inside of you, and you're going to experience something amazing. The Holy Spirit has come inside of you, and he's going to start to recreate you, transform you in ways that you never thought possible. You're going to have a conviction that you've never felt before. Every time you know, we go against God's word, we're going to feel conviction because he's trying to make us into something new, somebody that we were meant to be. He's going to lead us in a life, a great life that he wants us to live. A life of peace and a life of joy. A life of mercy and grace. I want to encourage you, if you've taken that step of faith this morning, to let somebody know. Maybe someone you came with or someone you know well here, or tell me on the way out, or fill out the card, stick it in the box, email, call. Let somebody know so we can be excited and, and encourage you in your new faith. For those of us who are I've already put our faith in Christ. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? It's a little bit different passage. It's not quite like all the other ones all around it. But it's still plenty of conviction there for us, isn't there? How 
How is God speaking to us about keeping a promise even when it hurts? Or misusing God's name in some way? or even not representing Christ. It's not even when we take an oath, but just the way we live represents Jesus Christ. And it means something to people. And maybe we haven't lived out Christ before other people in some way. And the Holy Spirit's speaking to us about that this morning. Something we need to confess and to surrender to God. Maybe something we even need to go back and make right with someone, a promise not kept. Father, it's so hard in a culture where misusing your name and not keeping our word are just, it's like breathing and pollution. It's so widespread. We need your Holy Spirit to speak to us on a daily basis, helping us to be different at work and different at school and different with our friends and family and our neighborhood and Everywhere we are, we need your help with this, Lord, on our tax returns. We just, need, we just need your constant Holy Spirit's speaking to us and convicting us and encouraging us. And I pray that the way that we speak and the way that we live would represent Jesus Christ. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Before the worship team closes, I just want to show a, the Relay for Life video, a little clip, the same one we showed last week, because it's Memorial Day, and with the Relay coming up, we know with the Relay, we're, we remember people that we lost to cancer. We remember that. It's a very sacred time if you've never been part of the Relay. And I just want to encourage you as you watch this, just to be encouraged to, to sign up, to show up, Somehow get the shirt, show up somehow, and uh, get a shirt. So I just want to encourage you on that, and then uh, we'll just show a couple of